for us um, this morning. So for, from next week, we're taking on a different shape in our services. We're going into summer mode, which means things look a little bit different. Um, so we're going to be working through a, a Bible study, a Bible series um, from the Bible Society, which is um, some eight-minute talks. Um, you'll be pleased to hear. And they're going to be playing through um, the screen. So a guy is going to lead us through those. So all of our sermons are going to be video. That's so 2020, isn't it? But we're going back to video. Um, and, that's, um, and we're going to have time together to still worship and to pray. But our services are going to be a lot shorter. So we're going to be looking at 30-minute services because we're going to all be in together with more of a focus on fellowship and of um, staying together for, for drinks and cake and whatever um, we want to do. Um, we wanted to really simplify summer. Um, to go deeper with God and with one another. So this is kind of um, my last Sunday before we all head off onto our different things and we start to not see each other as much. Um, So this is my sort of, before the the man on the video does all the sermons for us, I wanted to um, just share um, some of my prayer and some of my heart um, as your leader here about the desire and the shape that I long for us to take as a church over these next coming weeks over summer. So I desire for us as a church over the summer months to grow deeper in prayer, to grow deeper in prayer and to start to pray prayers that are out of this world, a little bit bonkers and a little bit too big for us to handle. All spirit-led, obviously. We're not going to pray for yachts or jet planes, are we? We don't do that here. Um, We're going to pray what we sense the Lord wants to do. And one of our values is here is to that we are kingdom seekers, that we're going to seek first the kingdom in everything that we do by, by studying scripture and by housing prayer in everything that we do. And I want to encourage us as a church to grow deeper in prayer over these next coming weeks. Because I, I know in this church there's a heart to see change. I long to see more change in my heart and in my life. I want to be a better mother. I want to be a better wife. I want to be a better um, church leader. I want to be a better friend. I want to be um, better at connecting and sharing Jesus with those around me. There's a lot of work the Lord needs to do in my heart. My prayer is that the Lord will do a deep work in my heart over these next coming weeks for all of eternity, really, that he will carry on doing what he does best. I have a heart to see a change in our community. I long to see people come to know Jesus. It's really nice that they come here and they share our coffee and they make it their home. Beautiful, beautiful. But my prayer is that they come to know that life-giving love of Jesus for themselves, that they don't just come here, but there'll be people that go off and plant more churches, that will go off and do more for the Lord than we could ever do um, just here. My heart is to see this nation change, this world change into the likeness of Jesus, all coming and birthed through the, the bride, his church. 
Arthur Wallace says that at the heart of every revival is the spirit of prayer. It's not the perfect prayer at the heart of a move of God. It's not the most eloquent prayer. It's not those who have worked their way up the religious ladder so they can pray. Um, It's the spirit of prayer. The spirit of prayer. Prayer. (laughs) And I want to encourage you this summer, don't disqualify yourself from prayer. The Lord would take a groan and hear it and interpret it and do so much with one surrendered heart than he ever would the most poetic and religiously correct prayer we could ever offer him. He hears our groans and he hears our hearts. And my prayer for us is that we would join in with the Holy Spirit to pray crazy, crazy prayers for Jesus' sake. So we're in this Isaiah passage, Isaiah 62, and this is Isaiah prophesying over Jerusalem. Now Jerusalem as a city is still functioning, it's still doing all that it needs to kind of do, but spiritually the city is utterly corrupt. The Babylonians have um, come in and they're changing it and slowly this city is becoming desolate, corrupt, the, the poor are getting poorer, the rich are getting richer, sounds familiar doesn't it? But it's desolate, it's utterly corrupt spiritually. And God speaks to, um, through Isaiah. He starts to speak to Jerusalem. But he doesn't just start to speak about the desolation. He starts to speak a new narrative. He starts to speak a new story over Jerusalem. God speaks another story. He always does, and he always will. And his story is filled with life and hope and love. It's filled with restoration. It's filled with goodness. He always speaks another story. And so often as the church, big C, the church, is that we can so just reflect back to the world all of the desolation, all of the problems. Yes, terrible out there. But actually, as Christ's bride, we're to join in with the narrative of the Father, and it speaks life, and it speaks hope. And I want to encourage us as a church to be burdened with this vision, to be burdened with the vision that God gives us. It says in verse 1, For Zion's sake I will not keep silent. For Jerusalem's sake I will not remain quiet until her vindication shines out like a dawn. For Zion's sake, this is a place of, of people meeting with God. What we would know it as today is the kingdom of God. For the kingdom's sake, for the sake of people meeting with the living God, I will not stay silent. For Jerusalem's sake, For my friend's sake, for Loughton's sake, I will not give up. I pray that we'll be filled with that kind of burden. Not burdened with all that's wrong in the world. That's quite easy to get burdened with. Anyone else gone to bed with a heavy heart this last few years? Yeah? Watch the 10 o'clock news. Big mistake if you go to bed at half 10. And you're burdened with all that is wrong. But actually, 
actually what the Lord calls us to is to be burdened with love, to be burdened with what he says and what he's calling out, burdened with that there is healing, burdened with the restoration. I'm so burdened that God can meet with people, the living God can meet with people. I'm so burdened with that. I can't keep silent. I must tell you, (laughs) you are loved. God loves you. There's a way out of this mess. You're, you're not desolate. The world might call you desolate, but God the Father who formed you in the womb of your mother calls you beautiful. He has another story that he is speaking over people. There's another story that is being spoken over you. And I pray that we'll become a church, not burdened with politics, but so burdened with Jesus that we can't keep silent. Do you want to be burdened with Jesus? His yoke is easy and his burden is light because it brings life. But we are to be burdened with him. We are to carry the heaviness of who Jesus is. So I pray that we'll be burdened with a fresh vision for our lives, for the lives of people around us and for our town. What does the Lord say over this desolate place? It's beautiful. He says, you will be a crown of splendor in the Lord's hand, a royal diadem in the, in the hand of your God. Wow. In the thick of addiction, in the thick of pain, in the thick of your sin, the Lord doesn't just come and tell you exactly what's wrong with you. He calls you up into a new place, into a new land, and he says, you will be a crown of splendor in the Lord's hand. Wow, isn't that beautiful? No longer will they call you deserted or name you a land desolate, but you've been called Hezebah, your land of Beulah, for the Lord will take delight in you and your land will be married. I don't know what names you've been called or what names you hear spoken over our community, but the Lord doesn't call us deserted. He doesn't join in with those death-giving names, but he calls us by a new name, and it's a land that he is totally dedicated to. It's married, married, covenant. He is so committed to us. He's so committed to this person and this place in which his, the death and resurrection of Jesus has purchased. He's so committed to it that he's married to it. He's so committed to us. So my prayer is that we would join in with this vision that God is speaking over us and speaking over our community. He is calling us by a new name, and the church is to join in. Jesus, in Matthew 21, 12 to 14, um, it's what everyone uses as an excuse when they get a bit angry. (laughs) This is when Jesus got angry. 
um, because of injustice that was happening in the temple. People were creating systems and hurdles to prevent people, um, especially poor people, from being able to worship their God. And he saw this and he was angered by it. If you want to know what Jesus is angered by, it's that. He hates injustice. He hates people being told they're not welcome um, at the Lord's table. He hates it. And so we see he's in the temple and he's freshing the tables, turning them over, whipping people out, saying, get out. Um, This isn't Jesus holding a lamb, meek and mild, is it? This is him with a heart for who? For his people. He wants to see people have justice. And what does he say? He says this, my house will be called a house of prayer. House of prayer. Not a house of worship, not a house of preaching, not a house of fellowship, not a house of pastoral care, um, not a house of clergy, um, a house of prayer. Jesus wants that to be one of the foundations of his church, a house of prayer. And my prayer for us is that we would press more in to prayer, to join in with Jesus in what he says and what he speaks over situations, to be a people that can prophetically see what the Lord is up to. So I want to encourage us as a church, what stupid, outrageous, bonkers, absolutely out of our range, out of our ability prayers could we be praying for this church, for ourselves, and for the world around us? Have you ever dared to pray those prayers? to be specific about our prayers. I was reading an article, um, Deborah Green, an amazing woman, runs um, lots of prayer movements in Manchester. And they gathered together many years ago, 2018, started to gather, I think, no, 2004, sorry, 2004, started to gather together to pray for the city of Manchester. And the one um, prayer that they prayed, because it started to be named Gunchester, because there was guns on the streets, and they um, were not happy with that name over their precious city, where God calls them um, something by another name. He does not call them Gunchester. And so they gathered, and and they were praying, and they were fasting for a new name over uh, Manchester, and to see crime rates go down. Now, in this time, they've seen a 34% decrease in crime on their streets, which is is amazing in a city. That's amazing. But they they prayed a specific prayer, no more um, Gunchester. You know, we're not going to be called Gunchester anymore. And one day on the news, and this is why I think we should pray specific prayers, one day on um, the news, a police officer got up and said, no more will we call this city Gunchester. And that little prayer group that met knew. (laughs) Because they were specific about their prayers, they knew that the Lord had been answering. So I want to encourage us to be specific 
Go after that thing that you think the Lord wants to do. What is the Lord saying and what is the Lord doing? Because time and time again, I think that God calls us in Scripture and in our lives to look beyond what is just presented before us and to perceive what God is doing. We see it throughout Scripture. We see Abraham Um, In their barrenness, Abraham and Sarah, we never quite know who was barren, but they were barren. And he looks upon um, Sarah and he perceives Isaac. He perceives a nation in this utter barrenness. God calls Joshua and Caleb when they're faced with just giants and nobody wants to go into the promised land. They perceive the promised land. They perceive fruit and they go in faith with God into that promised land. David, where everybody else just sees tiny little stones um, before him, what does David see? He sees something that's going to slay the giant and bring freedom for people. Simeon, who 400 years of complete silence from heaven holds the Christ baby in his arms and perceives that he is the Messiah. God himself holds before him, before 5,000 plus people, two fish and five loaves. And he holds it to heaven and he perceives a banquet for all of those 5,000 people. Scriptures time and time again. And God calls us time and time again to hold little acorns in this life and perceive oak trees and to pray for those mighty oaks that are going to come forth from sometimes to the world's view is just a little acorn. To pray into God's vision, we can do and see so much more. So, what is God saying? What is God calling us to pray for? What big prayers are we going to pray? Can you think of any in your heart right now? Because I imagine if one prayer's come up, it can be stolen away quite quick. That's a bit big. That's a bit big. Humble yourself. I want to encourage us. We always humble ourselves before God, but not humble ourselves under the, the enemy who likes to tell us something's too big for us. It is too big for us. Of course it is. He's right. We can't do this. But God can. That through God, all things are possible. So what transformation do we want to see? What is God speaking over us as a church and over us as a community? Because Mark and I, we have some stupid dreams for this place. (laughs) Stupid dreams. And Mark knows I'm going to have a few weeks off now, which gives me time to pray and gather vision, <laughs> which normally means a lot of work for him. Um, we have silly visions and dreams. At the mo- moment, we are an acorn, just an acorn. But in the Lord's hands, wow, what he could do with us. And I pray that in generations to come, I pray that Jesus returns soon, by the way, but I pray that even if he doesn't return soon and in generations to come, they will be thanking this generation for perceiving oak trees and for praying.
So we see silly dreams. We see many youth here. Feels like a silly dream right now. We have one, <laughs> one official youth. Caitlin, you're one year off. Um, almost, you're you. We have silly dreams. We have dreams to send out people from this place to, to advance mission and to resource mission from this little acorn. We see that. We see many people come in to this place as a, almost like a kind of a monastic community, a, a community place where people will come and fall on their faces before the presence of God, where we wouldn't have to call a prayer meeting because there will already be prayer meetings of people just praying and calling out to God. We have a dream to see worship sing out from this place. You know, yesterday we had our friend's new life, the Pentecostal church, meeting here. I thought the Alexa had come on in my house. They were that loud. <laughs> Every window was open, but people from afar could hear them singing worship. And it was such a prophetic sign of worship, like worship and worshippers just flowing out from this place. We have this little catchphrase. At first we thought it was just quite nifty and then we realized God's actually calling us to pray for that. Every heart and every home filled with the love of Jesus. Every heart, every person, every home, every family filled with the love of Jesus. Felt nice when we wrote it until we realized what God was asking us to pray for. We can't do that, can we? But God can. So we have some stupid dreams, but they're good dreams. And we believe the Lord is asking us to have these dreams and we're to pray for it. So, should we pray? Seems silly not to, doesn't it? <laughs> and do you want to lead us? Do you want to ignite us in prayer? Have you got a prayer on your heart? Too small. A phrase that has been on my heart all week that I read is that God deals gently with us. And you know, we fall so short, don't we? <laughs> because we, yeah, we don't always believe that God can do these amazing things. But God is looking at us and he sees our hearts and he deals gently with us and he wants to take us and lead us into these big dreams. And so I just, yeah, Lord God, would you take us by the hand, Jesus? Where we're not, <laughs> would you take us as a family? Would you lead us? Would you grow us by your spirit? Where we haven't got that deep desire to bring more people to you, would you ignite it in us? We pray. 
but above all, thank you, Jesus, that you look upon us and you love us and you call us beautiful, even in the mess we're in. <laughs> thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. And we long that you would lead us with you into all you have for us. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Shall we, shall we stand and pray together? So if you're able to, do remain seated if it's better for you. Um,